Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. what God's going to say to each and every single one of you today. If you would open your Bibles today to James chapter 2, James chapter 2, we're going to be continuing on our summer series uh, all about unshakable faith and what it means to have unshakable faith. Because in our world today, there's lots of chaos happening. How many of you agree with that? No, that's happening. Lots of chaos. And sometimes you may wake up in the morning and feel very uncertain, insecure, maybe even fearful at times. Uh, in our world today in which we live. And uh, this is why this series is so timely. I firmly believe that God kind of sets these things up. Well, I don't kind of believe. I know he sets them up long before I ever do. My plans are very, uh, very small thinking. His are long term. And so this series is one that is just really, I I pray, have been helpful to you. Uh, We've talked about so many different things over the last several weeks. We talked about the marks of a mature person. What does a mature person look like? Uh, which is very interesting because in our world today, we have lost a maturity. There's not really, we don't know what maturity really looks like. What it used to look like, it doesn't look like that nowadays. And so my very first week, I talked about what does a mature person look like? How do they move? How do they act? I talked the second week, I talked about how to profit from your problems. Uh, I talked about all those things that problems when they come in your way, how to do it. Last week was how to be blessed by the Bible, how the Word of God can bless our lives by reading it, by learning it, by memorizing it, soaking it into our souls. Um, And today, I want to continue on with a series called, titled simply, How to Treat People Right. Um, How appropriate is this for today? How to treat people right. Because can we just be honest? We live in a very ugly world. But the reason why the world is ugly is because people treat each other ugly. They say mean things and they treat people disrespectfully. It's why we have the challenges and the situations that we do. So as we go through this today, just remember, we're all going to learn a little bit today about how to treat each other a little bit more respectfully, a little bit more right. Remember what James is. James is a letter, okay? It's not necessarily a book. We say the book of James, but really it's a letter. It's a letter that was written to the Jewish Christians, the early church. Uh, And what he was trying to do was, James was trying to help them understand that they came from Judaism and now they've evolved into this thing called Christianity that was very new, didn't know what to believe or how to believe it or what they were gonna flesh it out. And so James is a how-to book, how to live Christian life in a world that's very different than what you believe. How many know that's where we're at today? Hello? I mean, the book of James is written to us how to live in this world today that is so polar opposite of what we believe as far as what Christ taught us to believe. And there are three kind of highlights that James kind of does. He he, first off, he, he tries to challenge us and listen, make sure that your life that you have privately lines up with your public life. Make sure that you're living in a way that's glorifying God privately as well as publicly. So he, he first off challenges them to make sure there's a, there's a correlation between your private and your public life. Don't be one and the other. That's where hypocrisy comes from. Then he challenged the, will challenge the Christians, persevere in your faith. You're going to be persecuted because you do look different. Because you do act different. People will make fun of you. People will mock you. People will even challenge your faith. So persevere when that persecution comes. And then finally, he says, when the persecution comes, trust that God 
will carry you through. James, the writer that wrote these things, he's the half-brother of Jesus. That means he's the, father, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary. Uh, Jesus was his older brother. And so he watched Jesus grow, and he learned these life lessons straight up. So let's kind of jump into today's message, and let's read James chapter 2. We're going to read uh, the first 13 verses that will kind of tell us where we're going to go in our how to treat people right today. Follow along with me. Uh, my brothers and sisters, believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing all this fine gold stuff, all these fine clothes, and a poor man, filthy old clothes comes in as well. What do we do? Well, it says, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good place for you, and you basically walk them up to the front, you sit them on the front row, and you let everybody see how nice they're dressed, but you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit on the ground, that's where you're going to learn from. You have not, or have you not discriminated among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts. So he's telling this story. Listen, favoritism is forbidden, but understand, I'm going to give you an illustration for what that looks like. He goes on to say, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those that are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and will inherit the kingdom? He promised those who, uh, who love him. Now, let me just say right now, that does not mean because you're rich you don't believe in the kingdom of heaven. It does not mean just necessarily because you're poor, you do believe in it. It's, he's just using it as an illustration. I'll explain more in just a little bit. It says, but you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are you not the ones who are dragging you? Are they not the ones that are dragging you into court? They, are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him who is whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, what is it? Say it with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as what? Law breakers. If you show favoritism, we actually cast judgment on ourselves because we break the law of God. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you who shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become what they call a law breaker. Speak, to, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has, been, has, been, has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Father, help us today to hear from your word. Help us to understand it. May it speak to our hearts. May it challenge us. May we, be, uh, may we check ourselves according to it. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. May you use my words to speak into lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to talk with you about how to treat people right, and I want to give you um, the priority. What is the priority that James is speaking about? What is the problem that he's going to focus on? And then what is the prescription or how do we fix what the problem is? So what's the priority? Let's look back at verse 1. Verse 1 gives us the priority of why James is going to say. He says, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. The priority that he's saying here is, hey guys, 
Um, when he says my brothers, when he uses that passage, know this, James is getting ready to preach. He's getting ready to say, hey, I've seen it, I've seen you do it, and it's wrong. So let's correct it now. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. What are we not supposed to do? We're not supposed to show favoritism. Show favoritism. The reason why there's so much division in our world today is because we see favoritism everywhere we look. Can we just get real with that? The reason why we get so upset is because we see injustice not being, uh, we, see, uh, we see injustice not being dealt with. We see favoritism given to the guilty and those who are innocent claim guilty. Boom. This is the problem. There is favoritism shown to criminals that is not shown to those who have not broken the law every single day. You can't tell me everybody who's been in prison, everybody will tell you, I have a buddy that works there, they're all innocent. They've never done it. They're innocent. Here's the deal. They all can't be innocent because they're in there for a reason. This is the challenge. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, be careful to not show favoritism because that favoritism is the exact thing that will hurt your testimony and will hurt who you are as a Christian. What are some ways that we, uh, that we show uh, favoritism? What are some ways that we show favoritism? What do you think? What are some ways that we show favoritism? I'm going to give you a chance to discuss amongst yourselves. What are some ways that we show favoritism? Maybe not in this church, but maybe in other churches or in other places. But what are some ways, I want you right now, take just 30 seconds, talk with somebody real fast, give just one way that people show favoritism, and go. All right, bring it back. Give me just, uh, just I'll, I'll kind of come over here, just somebody, you just scream out, what's one way that we show favoritism? Just somebody over here. Education, very good. How educated or not educated you might be. It goes both ways, very good. Yeah, back there. Okay, how people look, how they dress, how they do themselves. How about here, give me something out from this section. Family, very good. How about over here? Very good, guys, good job. Uh, how about you guys, you got one over here, this section right here, give me one. Huh? Position, all right, very good. One in the section, but close enough, we'll take it. All those are very true, and we could come up with a list upon list upon list upon list about how we favor, how we can say, listen, you can say all day long, oh, I am not, that is not me. I don't do that. Let's just be honest. Can we just be honest? We all show favoritism in one way or the other. We're all guilty of it. We all have done this and do this every single day. Here's some examples that I come up with. Uh, first one is appearance, uh, how people look, the beauty or their dress, um, whether they have tattoos or no tattoos, or they have one tattoo or a sleeve of tattoos. We judge people. We, we show favoritism to different ones. Uh, piercings, where they have piercings at, we look at people and go, ooh, I don't know why they got that. We judge people. Beard or no beard, you know, if they have hair on their face or or not, if they have hair in their head or not, right? Come on now, you know I'm telling the truth. Um, we, we do that. We, we judge about how people dress, if they look nice in what they wear, if they look homely in what they wear, are they clean, do they smell good, don't they smell good? We always are judging 
by appearance. And this is what James is saying. Hey, be careful of that favoritism that you're showing, okay? Another thing is ancestry or their race or their ethnicity, their nationality. How, how divided are we as a country when it comes to the, uh, the color of our skin? It's really sad. And here's the thing. We're all, the people who scream racist the loudest, I find to be the biggest racist that there are because they always see color. It's always in front of them. And here's the thing. The challenge is, as Christians, we have to be careful not to look like them, act like them, and do favoritism the same way. Appearance, ancestry, age. You're too old, you're too young, right? Ageism is a thing, and it happens in our world today. Uh, the problem is achievement. The, what they do is education, what they do as far as what they accomplish in life, uh, what they do on TV. Listen, think about it. Think about the favoritism we give to Hollywood actors and musicians. We treat them like they're gods, and they are nothing more than creative people given a craft. They have no more smarts than you do. They don't know any more than you do. And trust me, just because they say it doesn't make it true. Pastor Kevin, you're really getting it today. Well, just wait. It's coming some more in just a minute. Here's the last one I see is affluence. No one said this, but it's so true. Money. Money moves people. Don't believe me? Think about your own life. Think about the world itself. They stumble over themselves to try to treat people with money better than people who don't have it. That's why Proverbs constantly, over and over and over, go over and over again, says, says, be careful how money handles, how you handle money. Because it's not wrong to have money. It's wrong for money to have you. And this is the challenge. So appearance, ancestry, age, achievement, this is the priority, is we got to be careful about these kind of things that kind of influence our life. So this is the priority. Do not show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. The problem is we do. That's the problem. Everybody just raise your right hand with me. Say, I am guilty. Don't put your hand down yet. Just hold on with me. I am guilty of showing favoritism. You put it down. Don't believe me? Ask your firstborn child. <laughs> <laughs> right? Firstborn always says, your favorite is hell. You, you don't love me. like You let them get by with murder. I, I said, I mean, I, my brother said that about me always growing up, so I know that to be true. Um, but here's the problem. Number one, if you have your notes, fill this in. Favoritism is unchristian. It's not the Christian way. It says, my brothers and sisters as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Be careful how you do it because your faith should be priority, not favoritism. We should never lift someone up to a higher level because of their appearance, their age, their affluence. We should never raise them up because at the end of the day, it's all about our faith and what we believe. See, Jesus came to show love and dignity to everyone. It is why uh, it is why the woman who was caught in adultery was thrown at his feet. He showed love and dignity to her when others wanted to stone her. 
He showed us, I'm not going to show favoritism because I see the person. I don't see their status in life. And see, so often we see the status rather than the person. We see what they earn or what they make. And so this is why it's so imperative and, impo- and, and it's interesting that Paul says a rich man comes in. Or I'm sorry, James says a rich man comes in and he's wearing all these fine linens and fi- gold rings. And you sit him in a place of priority. But the poor guy comes in, you says, sit on the floor or stand over there. James is using a real life illustration that was taking place in the church he's writing to. He's telling them, listen, this is not appropriate. This is not okay. Favoritism as a Christian is not right. The second problem with favoritism is uh, favoritism is unreasonable. Favoritism is a constant moving target for every single one of us because all of us have different priorities about what we think is good in life. Some of you sitting here today would say it is good to have money. Others would say it's not good to have money because, you know, it says that, that, uh, that, that the money is the, the root of all evil and it corrupts. Some of you in this place today would say it is good to drive old cars. And others would say it's good to have new cars. All, it's a moving target. Favoritism is unreasonable because we can never really nail it down. And see, that's kind of what's happening in our world today with a lot of the the new, the, the new laws that are coming out, new things that are happening, they're trying, to make, they're trying to make it to where it's such an even playing field. And what they don't understand, under man, we're never going to have an even playing field because the constant target will be always moving. It'll always be shifting. Well, if you're in this income bracket, then you're our poverty. If you're in this income bracket, you're wealthy. Who determines that? Because guess what? I've met a lot of people in a low income bracket that live like kings and queens, because they've learned how to manage their wealth well, right? It's a constant moving target. It's unreasonable. It says, has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom of God? Again, he's not saying to be poor that you have faith. He's saying when we are poor, we trust more on God, and so therefore our faith is increased. Um, Your value, listen to this statement, your value is not based on your valuables. Don't confuse net worth with self-worth. Your value is not based on valuables and don't confuse your net worth with self-worth because there's some people that have a lot of net worth but feel pretty low about themselves. And there's people who have very low net worth and they feel very valued because of the love that God has shown to them favoritism is unreasonable. Um, I believe wholeheartedly in this. I believe wholeheartedly that it's unreasonable. So let's be cautious with the problem of favoritism. Uh, the third thought I have is not only is it uncertain, not as unreasonable, but favoritism is unloving. Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. We cannot love the people. If we don't love the people around us, but we try to say we love God, we deceive ourselves. We're not right with what we're saying because we must love those around us. Obey the royal law. The royal law says love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14 says it this way. All the law is summed up in one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
1 John 4.20, if a man says he loves God and hates his brother, is lying. He is, God is not with him. He hasn't seen God, but he says he loves God. This is the challenge. Favoritism convolutes who we say we, how we say we love those around us. Uh, anybody in here ever broke the law? Uh, just getting true, true talk in the house today. Um, not saying I'm in here with a bunch of criminals, you know, not at all. Don't want to be offensive, but anybody ever speed? Oh, some of you sped on the way to church today because you were running late. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. The Bible says that we all are sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be cautious of favoritism. Favoritism on Christian, it's unreasonable, it's unloving. Speak to those that we love here on earth. So the, prior, the, the priority is fa- don't show favoritism. The problem is we do, but it's unchristian, it's unreasonable, it's unloving. So here's the prescription. I'm going to tell you how to fix it. How do we move on? Everybody ask me, Pastor Kevin, how do we move on? That was horrible. How do we treat people right? All right, here it is. We treat people right by loving them like God loved them, by loving them for even who they are, not for what they do, but for who he created them to be. There's an article that was written. It was a survey that was taken of 8,600 churches uh, in, the, in the country, in the, in the United States. The number one attractive value to people going to any church was one thing, and that was they were loving, they were a loving church. They were kind, even though I, I didn't look the part, they loved me right where I was. Even though I didn't fit in their box, they loved me where I was at, which leads me to this. First off, we must, in order for us to treat people right, we must accept everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, accept everybody. Now, let me be very, very, very clear. Acceptance does not mean applause. Acceptance does not mean approval and a celebration. Do you understand that? Acceptance is the fact that we're all created in the image of God. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Hello, amen, amen, right, right? And because of that, we accept them Because Jesus has accepted them already. We don't approve. We don't celebrate. We don't even condone. If they're in a lifestyle that doesn't line up with God's word, we do not applaud and we don't approve of. And we don't say, we we don't have to preach and we don't have to judge. We just accept them with the love that only comes from God. The reason why this is so challenging is because in our world today, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks, is that the world is not about to let Christians get by with just accepting them. They want us to approve and applaud of the decisions they're making. There is some sick, demented, mental, evil, dark stuff going on in our world today, people. I have been... I have been praying about 
how and what I should say, here's what I'm going to say. The Bible says in Romans, I read this just the other day, Romans, if you want to read it, Romans chapter 1. Translation I read was the message, and it was so powerful. It said this. It says, it says basically they became so sick, they didn't know how to be human. They forgot how to be human. It says, men, it says women traded natural relations with other women and men for natural relations with other men. And it said, and they gave themselves into the mindset that that was okay. I'm here to tell you today, by God's word and by God's standards, and I will stand by that every single day, I will accept all, but I will not applaud all, and I will not approve all. I will allow God to do his work, his transformative work that only comes. But I just heard the other day, and this is so crazy. I mean, I, I just was like, where are we at? What are we living in? There was this woman that I heard an interview with that, that loved fences, picket fences, wanted to marry picket fences. She'd already married the Eiffel Tower. I'm not joking. This is, this is a real report. I am sitting there. I'm going, what? But I'm telling you, here's the deal, guys. When we don't hold the line and when we don't say, nope, sorry, that's not okay. A man is a man. You can't change. Just be, Do I think there's, there's some mental and there's some psychological things that need to be dealt with? Absolutely, because I feel like that's where, that's where the enemy is working, and we need to help those people and love those people and help them work through it, but we're not going to be accepting of it. We're not, I'm sorry, we're not going to be approving of it. And here's why. Because we are not God. God creates DNA. God creates a man and a woman. And just because we don't like, we cannot change. No more so than I can change this DNA right here that says I want to be a 230-pound, buff, muscle-bound guy without any fat weight at all. Now, I can tell you all day long that's who I am, but guess what? You look at me and say, science says otherwise. <laughs> right? I am not God. This is who I am. And I learn how to work within his good grace to figure out how to find wholeness in who I am. Do you hear? I hope you hear what I'm saying, guys. We have to say the truth. Science disagrees with transgender. It does not agree with it. You are a man. You are a man. You can take everything off. You can do whatever surgeries you want to do, but you will still be a biological man at the end of the day. And in God's eyes, that's who he created you to be. The fact is, we live in a world that people aren't satisfied with who they are. Do you know why they're not satisfied? They're not content with who they are? Because they don't realize they're created in the image of God who loved them and created them just like they are. Our kids are so confused. Parents, they need you to talk with them and say, this is what God says, and this is where we stand. They need that. They have to know there is a force, there is a truth that does not move when the world says otherwise. No, I'm sorry. You cannot marry a fence post. You can, but that's not the way God created you to be. Right? It's, it's strange, but it's because people have forgot how to be human. So we have to accept 
everyone. Love them where they're at. Love them right there where they're at and know that it's not your job to change them. It's God's in the changing business. When I came to God, I was a mess. I'm still a mess. He's still working on me. Guess what? When I came to God, he didn't say, wait, Kev, you need to go back and get some things right and then come back and I'll see if you're worthy for me to love. He loved me where I was at, but thank God he didn't leave me where I was at. What I love about Crossview, this place, what I love about Crossview from day one, this is not a result of me. It's not a result of me being the pastor. It's a result of who this church is. You talk about DNA, the DNA of Crossview. This church is a loving church. This church, because of all of you guys and because of your willingness you felt love because you came in. You were loved and accepted where you're at. You felt love, and you came closer to God, and then you saw someone else come in, and you're like, ha, huh, hey, they need to be loved. I'm going to love, and we just, I, I want it to be said about Crossview. That is a place that shows love, no matter their lifestyle, no matter where they come from. We accept them, but we know that God's not going to leave them where they're at, just like he didn't leave me, he didn't leave you. He's going to make changes. We accept everyone, accept every, accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. The second thing is we appreciate everybody. We honor each other. Imagine how different our world would be if we just would show respect to each other. If I met a person who had alternate lifestyle, who was in a, a place of confusion, I feel, I would still be respectful to them. I wouldn't look down on them. I wouldn't treat them any less than. I would love them and say, hey, what are you doing? Were you going to get coffee? We'll get something to drink? I really believe that if we would be that kind of church, a church where the ho it's a hospital for the sick, not a freezer preserving saints, the church should be full of more broken people than whole people because it is a hospital for those with those questions of life to find their way into the door and to find a place of love, to find a place of wholeness, and to know that God's going to love them right where they're at. But guess what? They don't come in because they'll feel judged and they'll feel, they'll feel ridiculed. We must be a church that accepts everyone and appreciates that they are God's creation and even though they may not know who they are, that God will take them on that journey. Philippians 2.35 says this, Do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider one another better than yourself. Each of you should not only look out for your own interests, but in the interest of others. The church needs to be like Baskin Robbins. Those of you who are old enough to remember what Baskin Robbins was, Baskin Robbins had 31 flavors. We should be a, a, a heaping pot of different people coming together in the unity of love and knowing that God's going to take us and make us more like him. So we accept everybody. Uh, we appreciate everybody. And the, the last one is we affirm everybody. We encourage one another. 
Sometimes people fail because people fail to celebrate the little victories in their life. Affirming them is encouraging them, hey, you can do it. You've got this. You can make a difference. It's being positive, loving, and kind, and encouraging them whenever they feel like they're ready to give up. Encourage one another and build each other up in their faith. I want Cross You to be a place of love and acceptance, excitement and encouragement, where relationships can know whenever they go through struggles, that's okay. In fact, if you're here today and you don't have struggles, you're probably in the wrong church. Because there's other churches out there that they don't want you to have problems. I want you to know we all have problems. We all have challenges. We're all doing life and just trying to figure out how do we do life with God in the middle of it? How do we do life and reach our neighbors and reach our friends? How do we do life and accept and appreciate and affirm those around us? How do we treat people right? We accept them, we appreciate them, we affirm them. Bow your heads with me today. Father, help us today. Speak clearly to our hearts, God. God, all of us in this room, we have something in common. And that is, we are sinners who one day heard about this man named Jesus. And this man named Jesus loved us so much that regardless of our sin, he went to the cross and he took our sin upon himself. And that sin that he took upon himself gives me access to you, God. Oh, God, we are sinners in need of a Savior. The reason why favoritism is forbidden is because we're all in the same playing field. We're only saved by grace and grace alone. Your loving kindness draws us to repentance. Your loving kindness changes us from the inside out. So God, I pray, help us to take these words of James and to apply them into our lives. Help us to learn how to treat people right, God. That person at our workplace that drives us crazy, that annoys us, that, that maybe, God, they, every other word out of their mouth is a swear word and is, is, uh, is blasphemy to you, God. And, and Lord, we kind of judge them. But God, maybe instead we just need to accept them and love them and live our lives in such a way that they feel the love of God right there in our workplace. God, others of us today, it's in our homes. We need to treat our family members right. We need to treat our loved ones right. God, search us. Who is it that we need to shift our ideas of how we treat them, God? And may you just compel us to accept, to appreciate, to affirm, God, those wonderful people, God's people, God's creation. God, let us not worry about fixing them. Let us love them 
and let them see the one who fixed us through our lives. So right there where you're at, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just feel like some of you have some relationships that this word today is almost like it's very challenging. Like it's, <laughs> it's hard. Like you're going, oh my gosh, if you only knew what I have to deal with, you would preach differently. And I would say this, you know, I don't know where you're at, but I do know the one who knows where you're at. And I do know that he cares. And I do know that he wants you to accept, appreciate, and affirm that person in your life who you do not want to at all. God might be calling you to do that right now with head bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, I want you to just say, God, help me. I don't feel very loving to them. After what they did to me, after how they hurt me, or after how they treat, how they do their life, I don't want anything to do with them. God, would you just teach us how to be loving, how to be kind, how to be accepting, how we, God, we can affirm and encourage those who are discouraged. God, I find that so many people are so confused and lost and hurting that they're just looking for someone to say, hey, God loves you, and if you need me, I'm here. So God, do something in our lives. Teach us how to treat people, how to treat people right through your grace and mercy. These are the days that we prayed for. A stirring of faith has begun. And I've seen so much, still I'm certain that the best has not yet come. Jesus, you're
that's really what it's all about. You never gave up on us, little God. We're not going to give up on each other. We're going to treat each, each other right, respectfully, honorably, accepting and affirming, knowing that God, just as you accept us, you accept them. And let us, God, be a, be a place that is uh, that knows, God, where we stand, knows who we are, knows where your word tells us to stand, God. And though that may go countercultural, it doesn't make it wrong. It makes it challenging, God, just as James James' whole reason is to persevere, persevere in your faith. God, you call us here today, persevere in your faith. When culture pushes against you, you will need to push back, but you don't push alone. We push, we stand, because he is greater in us than the one that is in the world. So God, you never give up on us, we'll never give up on them. Help us to always treat people right, respectfully and honorably in Jesus' name. I said, amen. God bless you. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.